0: I began last week with just, we're doing a little mini-series, if you will. Uh, By nature, our church is exegetical, meaning that we go through books of the Bible. We just finished Habakkuk, and so now uh, we took a break, and we're just exegeting one verse. (laughs) Isaiah chapter 9-6 for four weeks, and so we're going to hang out in it. We're going to continue hanging out in it, and uh, then we'll do Genesis in in 2022. That's going to be awesome. I hope you're studying ahead, just reading through Genesis it's going to be good. and um, So anyways, to kick off that little mini-series, I gave you the illustration of an ornament. And if you have not grabbed your 2022 ornament, it is free to you today. Now, this is from Safe Haven. So there's, some, there's a few hanging left on these trees, and then there's a few in the back on these tables that are left. So if you haven't got one of these, man, we would love to give you one of these today, just as a commemorative token of, uh, of what we've been journeying through at Safe Haven. So, But all that to say, we just kind of looked at the illustration of God, before Christ came, began hanging ornaments on a tree. And each and every ornament was a name, a different name of what we should expect for the coming Christ King. And so he began hanging those. And again, we're looking at that one verse that we're going to read together. As a matter of fact, let's go ahead and do that now so that all our minds will be in the same place. Uh, Read this aloud with me. This is our focus text for the next... Well, next one week, and then we'll kind of be wrapping it up. Um, Let's read this aloud. For to us a child is born, uh, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And, as I said last week, there's hundreds of these names throughout the Bible. None of them being the name Jesus. Now, obviously, when Jesus came, his name is given. But the ornaments that God kept hanging was, look for this one, he'll be a wonderful counselor. Look for this one, he'll be a prince of peace. Look for this one, he'll be a mighty God. None of the names ever being Jesus. And so that's what we're doing. We're trying to look at the different names, believing that each name brings a smile. Each name brings a hope. And each name is personal in some sense to you. Um, in a way that it's not really personal to the other person, just like if you went up to my Christmas tree at home. It wouldn't make sense to you, but maybe one ornament would make sense, right? So each name different, but maybe just one name this season will stick with you, and you'll worship through Christmas in a different way this year. That's our our hope. And so we've made it through one of those names, and today we're going to make it through two of those names. So let's look now um, no longer at... Um, wonderful Counselor, but Mighty God and Everlasting Father. But to give you a recap on Wonderful Counselor, let's let's blow through that. Wonderful. The, the one who's going to be wonderful will come. Not that he'll be attractive. Not that you'll be drawn to him. That's not what Wonderful Counselor meant. Not that Jesus would be cuddly. That's not the point. But he's wonderful, meaning he's mind-blowing. He's mind-boggling. He's... The one to come will be incomprehensible, and that's what we saw in Christ. The one who was born of a virgin, mind-blowing. The one who walked on water, mind-blowing. The one who Isaiah said, he's not attractive, and there's nothing that would draw you to him, but nonetheless, the one who was an astonishing teacher, everybody's minds were blown when they listened to him. He'll be, he'll be wonderful, but he'll also be a counselor. And the, the beauty of him being a counselor is he's not like our therapists... Um, He's a counselor who knows your heart, and he knows every action you need to take. He is the wonderful counselor. He knows the good. He knows the bad. He knows the ugly. And wait for it. He'll be the one that, even though he knows the ugly, still wants to hang out with you. Now that is a wonderful counselor. So we looked at that. Now let's look at mighty God. Mighty God... There was a song by Sandy Patty growing up. Now, I know that there's only about 10 of us in this room that remember Sandy Patty. Everybody else is younger because our church is super young. If you remember Sandy Patty, raise your hand up. Just, whoa, sweet. She sang a song called El Shaddai. Y'all remember this song? El Shaddai, El. And then I don't know the rest of the words. We just kind of made up words. El Kamkana, Kadani. You know what I Like, nobody else knows what the other words are. I don't remember that (laughs) word. That's right. So El Shaddai means mighty God. The whole song is about this mighty God. He will be the mighty God or, quite literally, the all-powerful God. That's what this, this word means. He's the El Shaddai, which is why people rejected Jesus. They rejected Jesus because the prophecy was you'll know him because he will be a mighty God. And then they rejected Jesus because they looked at him and they said, Beep, beep, that is the son of Joseph who is a carpenter. That doesn't sound like a what? That doesn't sound like a mighty God. So they rejected him. The prophecy is he'll be a mighty God. And and so when we think through mighty God, what does this mean? Well, here's what it means. Four things. Number one, that as Ephesians 3 says, he really will be able to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. That's what El Shaddai means. He'll be the one that can do more than we could ever ask or imagine. Why does that bring us hope? Well, here's why. Because if he can do more than we could ever dream or imagine, then there's nothing too small that you can ask of him. Nothing. If he can do everything, then it's not beyond him to call out on him when you're nervous and about to take that test and go, God, I really need you. I need you in this small way, but man, I need you. He's not too far for that. He can do anything. But not only is there nothing too small that you can ask of, there's nothing too big that you can ask of him. I mean, you can come to him and you can say, Will you be the one who saves my soul? Like I can't think of anything bigger than that right there. You can come to him and he's able to do all these things and that's the epitome of who Jesus is. He is the mighty God. But not only that, he can do whatever he wants when he wants. That's how mighty he is. That's what Psalm chapter 115 verse 3 says. In other words, he can choose to damn all if he wants... He can choose to save if He wants. He can choose to destroy if He wants. He can choose to create if He wants. He's God. If He chooses to, and Lord let it be, begin raining chicken wings this afternoon, (laughs) He can do that. There's nothing. (laughs) He can do anything He wants. He's God. He's the mighty God. But not only that, He's the one who answers to no one and no one threatens him. That's what it means to be the mighty God. Daniel chapter 4 verse 35 says that. So when Satan or yourself begins to shake a fist at God, what are you dare you do? He laughs and goes, that's kind of silly. That's silly. No one threatens God. That's what it means to be the mighty God. And then finally, what it means to be the mighty God is, well, He's God. And if He's not, then His life and death mean nothing to us. But if He is God, then we're confident that where two or more gather, He is there in their midst. If He is God, then we're confident that, lo, I really am with you always, even to the end of the age. If He really is God, then we really can boldly approach Him in prayer and know that He sees our tears, hears our fears, and listens to our prayers. That's what it means that He's a mighty God. And there is none like Him. None. That's what it means. It's like Job, and then we'll keep going. You remember the book of Job. I mean, we've never taught through it. Um, As a matter of fact, maybe after Genesis, maybe we need to go through the book of Job. (laughs) That's a real fun book. Um, Scraping bulls off your skin and weird, bizarre things like that. But anyways, Job, if you don't know anything about the book of Job, just know this. He had a really bad life. Really bad life. And in the midst of his chaos, here's what he screamed out. He said, I'm hurting so bad. I've lost my family. I've lost this. I just wish... I wish there was somebody who could reach out their hand and touch God and reach down their hand and touch me. That's what it means that Jesus is the mighty God. He's the one who can reach up and touch God and reach down and touch you and love you dearly. That's what it means. Angels can't reach up and touch God. If an angel touches God, it's like feathers everywhere. I mean, I don't think angels have feathers, but if they did, it'd be like a busted up chicken. Now, that's where are we going. Angels can't touch God. Humans can't touch God. I mean, good grief, what does the Scripture say? Not only you can't touch Him, but what does the Scripture say? Humans can't what? We can't even look at Him. We can't even Him. We can't even see Him. Only God can touch God. That's what it means that Jesus is the mighty God. He can touch heaven and he can touch you right where you need it most. He's the mighty God. So again, the Christ child in your manger sitting on your piano right now shouldn't cause you to look at Christmas time and go, Oh, goochie gooch. You shouldn't do that. You should look at the Christ child and go, Whoa! Awesome in wonder and awesome in power. Mighty God. That's the one. But not only mighty God, everlasting Father. What is in the words everlasting Father? We're gonna take it two ways real fast one being everlasting Father, and then two being everlasting Father. But as you see, the emphases can be on one of the two words. Let's just look at them distinctly. Number one, Jesus, the one to come, is the everlasting Father. Meaning, he'll be the one who is from the beginning of all ages. He'll be not in the beginning, but in beginning. Two totally different things. We don't have time to go into this. I'll, I'd love to have um, peppermint coffee with you since it's Christmas. No, Elisa? No. Okay, I'll be glad to share a Shiner Bach with you. um, And talk about this, but Genesis chapter 1. The words, in the beginning, many of you guys know this. In the beginning is not what the Hebrew says. It doesn't say, in the beginning. There's no definite article. Uh, What it quite literally says in Genesis 1 is, when God began to create, or in beginning. Phenomenologically, anomaly, that we can't even wrap our brains around. Troy... At that moment, put the microphone here. That was the beginning of that moment. But what Genesis begins with is, God was there, and when he started creating, right? Here's what this means that he's the everlasting father. The one to come will be the one before the ages even began. Before in the beginning, but the one when the world began to be. That's the one who's coming. That's a whole nother mind blowing look at Jesus, isn't it? Right? So this before the sand was spread on the shoreline, Jesus was. Before the blue was placed in the sky, Jesus was. Before babies began to cry, Jesus was. Before the earth began to spin, Jesus was. Before gravity stuck us to this ground. Jesus was before oxygen began to fill lungs. Jesus was. That's how awesome He is. But not only as everlasting Father is He that... He's the architect of time and space. Meaning this, He's he's the Father of all ages. Before seconds began... Before hours began... Before minutes began... Before seasons and rhythms began... Before all of that... Before dimensional time sequence itself began... Jesus was. He's everlasting. But not only that, he's, he's the creator of all things. Before kitty cats began, and before cats and dogs began to chase one another, before antelopes began, before those deer on Mitt Larry that you almost hit this morning <laughs> began, before all of that, before humans began, before cells began, before brains began, before hearts began, before all of that The one to come already was. Jesus is the everlasting Father. That's the Jesus we worship. Which is why I know some of you guys got mad at me last week for making fun of Talladega Nights. I felt it. Right? I like to pray to baby Jesus. It's a mockery. When we look at Jesus, He is the mighty God everlasting Father. That's who He is. So, the beauty of this is if Jesus is without beginning and end, why that charms our hearts is this we never will say goodbye to him if we're believers. Ever. There's no beginning, no end. So, for those in him, he always will be. Some of you guys had a father who walked out, some of you guys had a father who was absent. Some of you guys have a warped view of what fatherhood means because your earthly father, if I can just partner with you, was just a piece of garbage. Some of you had awesome fathers, but the beauty of Jesus being the everlasting father is he's the one who will never walk out, he's the one who never will be absent, and he's the one who will never die. He's the everlasting father. What a great word that the Lord gives us as an ornament. But not only is He the everlasting Father, as I said before, He's the everlasting Father. Meaning this, He is the possessor of His people. He possesses His people dearly. No one can walk up to Him and say, no, that's my child. Now listen, I have one child that I would defend all the way to the death. It's Macy, if you wondered who it was. Okay. Just kidding, just kidding, Cole. I'm with you. Gotcha. <clears throat> but no one will walk up to Kobe, to Cole, to Macy out here in the parking lot, and you can, we can try this if you'd like, I will defend myself to the death, and I will defend them to the death. Now, you may kill me. That's fine. But if you come after my kids, I will come after you with everything I've got. You say, Troy, that will put you in jail. That's fine. Stick me in jail. I don't care. I will possess my children because they're my children. Flip it if He's the everlasting Father. That's the same love and affection He has for you possesses His children to the end. He's the head of the tribe for believers. Now, as believers, being the head of the tribe means this. We're sealed in His relationship by grace, which was proven on the work of the cross through the death, burial, and resurrection that we just watched through the baptism moment. And if you're not a believer, this is a moment that I I plead with you. If you're not a believer, Jesus is not the one who possesses you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says who your father is. Romans chapter 5 says who your father is. If you're not in Christ, your federal theological term, headship, is in Adam. You're in Adam. And I don't say that mean like, like good old screamy preachers and all that kind of stuff. I say that with a tender heart of this. If you're not a believer, you're in Adam. You're bound not by grace, but you're bound by your own sin. You're you're bound by a non-relationship. You're bound to work your way, to earn mercy, which you can't do, which is the whole point of all of Scripture. You're bound. So I plead with you, if that's you, understand that the everlasting Father is here for you today, saying, come to me, and I will adopt you as my child, my son, my daughter. But not only is He the possessor of His people as everlasting Father, He's the protector of His people He doesn't lose any of his children. It's the beauty of John chapter 10. He holds his children in his hand and no one can snatch them out of the father's hand. That's the extent to which he loves you. He won't lose you if you're his child to any other being. He won't lose you to any surprise circumstance. And check this out, believers. This is what it means that he's the everlasting father and protector. He won't lose you to any sin that is good news for a nasty joker like me. He will not lose you. And as everlasting father, not only is he possessor and protector, but he's the proclaimer to his people. He talks to you like a father. Meaning, he personally talks, he personally disciplines, he personally teaches, he personally tries to show us the way. He's not a deist God. That's the beauty of everlasting father. The deist God is this one who came, created the world, spun that bad boy into existence, and then walked away and said, Good luck. That's not who he is. He's the everlasting father God, meaning he's ever present proclaiming to his people, I love you. This is the way to go. Even when it hurts, I'll still tell you the truth. That's when you know you're loved. The person who just makes you feel good all the time and tells you what you want to hear, they don't love you. They might worship you, but they don't love you. And Jesus loves us enough to say, I love you so much, I will tell you the truth because I want you as mine. Not only is He the possessor, not only is He the protector, not only is He the proclaimer, but He's also as the eternal Father, the provider for His people. This should be self-evident, right? He's the one who gives you the very food that you eat especially deviled eggs. Which again, I haven't said this publicly, I am completely ashamed of our church that thanks Dinner we had zero deviled eggs? What on earth? None? I know. And then you look at me and go, Troy, why didn't you bring them? <laughs> right? Um, every food element that you put in your mouth is a provision from the everlasting Father. Every dime that goes in your bank account is because of the everlasting Father. Every pulse of your heart is because of the everlasting Father. Every blink of your eye is because of the everlasting Father. Every breath of your lungs is because of the everlasting Father. Every child that's in this room, we got some little babies, like we, babies are just, there's like babies in bellies everywhere all over this room, and that, you know, it's because of the everlasting Father. All of us had a father, but none of our earthly fathers are forever fathers, are they? None of them. And some of us are fathers, but none of us who are fathers will be everlasting fathers. But there's one who is the everlasting father, and his name is... Don't say it yet. We made it it to the Christmas service. He's the one to come. And eternity, I'll keep going and we'll wrap it up. The beauty of this is, as mighty God and everlasting Father, if he's both of those things, in eternity I can rest you assured that if you step into eternity and your earthly father is the first person to greet you, you will bolt right past him and head straight to the King of kings and Lord of lords. If he's the mighty God and everlasting Father. And you will embrace Jesus and go, thank you. And your earthly father who's there will go. That's exactly where I was going to tell you to go. (laughs) You should have gone there first. (laughs) He's greater than any earthly father ever will be. That's what you should look at when you look at the baby in the manger. Three takeaways and we'll wrap it up. Band, come on back up. Number one. As mighty God and everlasting Father, He's both capable and willing to give eternal life to those He chooses as His people through the work of the Son and by the power of His Spirit. No one else can give you eternal life but the child that is to be born. None. None. Number uh, two, and really before we get to two, if He's the everlasting Father who's always been, And the mighty God, which means He's capable to save. That makes Ephesians 1 even more glorious, doesn't it? Which says this. That we were chosen in Him as believers before when? Before the foundation of the world is what Ephesians 1 4 says. If that's true, and He's the everlasting Father and mighty God, He peered through time and however that worked and goes, yes, yes. Even as nasty as you are, yes. I want that, Dad. (laughs) Number two. The band always gets mad at me when I say, come on up, and then keep going. So I'll be fast. Well, you better shut this and be like, get done. (laughs) Number two. Remember, all of this is said about the baby that is to be born. When I approached my child in the hospital, I thought two things. Number one, I think I created an alien. (laughs) And then number two, I thought, how do I keep this thing alive? (laughs) Like, what? How do I do? But when we approach the Christ child, we should think, that baby is the only thing that can keep me alive forever. And then number two, that's the mighty God and everlasting Father. So, number three, as we wrap it up. If you've not embraced Christ as your Lord and Savior, He's here today. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to scare you about, you may die when you leave out of here and how bad you are and all that kind of stuff because, frankly, at Safe Haven Church, you will have 99.9% of the group raise their hand and go, I am way nastier than you are. We will grossly admit our sin. But if you haven't embraced Christ, why not this Christmas? Why not this Christmas? This past several weeks we've had Madeline baptized, Elizabeth baptized, and now drooby-dooby, wherever she went, baptized. And every time it's just a reminder of the fact that anyone can come. No one's too far gone. Pray. Ask the Lord. Lord, hey, I'm here. This Christmas, I give all of me to you. Confess your sin. This is where I've missed the mark. This is where I've not found holiness. This is where I'm gross. And then number three, Jesus, I trust that you alone are the mighty God and everlasting Father who can cover that sin. And then, many of you in this room probably need to be baptized. Maybe you've done that and you've never followed through in baptism. Man, do it. Why not this Christmas? Why not make it official? But before that, more importantly, if in your heart you've never called on the name of the Lord, why not today? The everlasting Father is there for you and He's the mighty God capable to save. Let's pray together. Well, Jesus... Isaiah 9, 6 has been a um, wonderful, wonderful verse for us these past couple of weeks. And I pray that it continues to be. So as we reflect on these names, again, God, our hope as an elder team, as a staff, as a prayer team, is indeed, Lord, that you will take one of those names and just embed it in the heart of someone in this room. Start with me, Lord. And that all Christmas season will think of you as the everlasting Father or the mighty God or the Prince of Peace, the wonderful Counselor. Do your work that no human being can do as we respond now. Lord Jesus, draw people to yourself and show them how awesome you are. May 2021 be the day of salvation and fresh renewal for those who are sitting in this room contemplating Isaiah 9, 6. In Jesus' precious holy name I pray. Amen. Amen.